This episode contains adult themes and is not appropriate for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. It's Crystal. I'm just sitting here thinking about you. What are you doing? It's 2021. Happy New Year to you. I hope your holidays were great. I hope you set intentions for this year. My holidays were calm. That was a silver lining as it was just so calm and chill. I loved it. Um, I set some intentions. One of the intentions is I'm looking for some new stories. So if you know somebody that would like to share something, or maybe it's you, um, let me know. Hit me up. Always know that I would be the only one that really knows your true identity. You can have an alias. I even kind of help coach you through the process of, um, if, if it's, if you want it. Uh, so think about that. I'm definitely looking for some more stories. I'd like to keep sharing and keep us connected. Um, I'm excited for 2021, right? We're hearing less about 45. That's great. So great. Um, there's vaccines. So I'm just next year, we're just going to be sitting differently. We're just not sure what that looks like. That's scary. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I'm starting out this year with Jenna. Uh, <laughs> Jenna's so funny. Uh, such a, I just had such a good time talking with Jenna. So self aware. And I really appreciate people that are self aware. Uh, I think that's how we can change. Uh, the world is people becoming more self-aware. Um, Jenna's hilarious. Uh, definitely got dark sense of humor like I do. And um, full of love and compassion. And um, bold. Like, just bold. Like, just came out the world kind of, like, feisty. And um, just straight knows how to survive. Like, Jenna knows how to survive. Yeah, the, you'll hear you'll hear Jenna's story and how um, they had to go through multiple addictions in their family uh, and had to do a lot of caretaking and then how at a young age having to grow up so fast, what that does, and then experiencing assault and then also finding love at a young age, like had a childhood sweetheart, just – and then parental loss and just – it was one thing after another. Jenna went through a lot of shit from zero to 20. <laughs> um I, just insane. I mean, yeah. So I picked, I thought in light of uh, 2021 and in light of um, Jenna, I picked a Nikita Gill poem. I love Nikita Gill. This one's called World's End. The world has gone dark more times than you or your mother or your grandmother can remember. And every hurricane that was meant to be the end of it all has instead ended in sunshine again. So believe me when I say, you will survive this and the next one too. I really liked that because Jenna came out a survivor. Like Jenna <laughs> is amazing. And, um, you know, we just, sur- I'm, I'm pretty sure we hit bottom. Like this is bottom, right? So like we just in hopes that we all will do healing things this year for ourselves, for other people, you know, that we're mindful and hopeful 
It's 2021, and Jenna's my first guest. So yes, I'm so excited. I really hope that you enjoy her story. I hope that you connect to it um, and reach out to me if you have questions or if you know somebody or if you just want to chat, like reach out to me. Uh, and um, thank you, Jenna, for doing this. You, it was fun, and uh, you are freaking amazing considering everything you went through it was just it's it, it it literally was like one thing after another after another and um crazy so uh i hope that you i hope that you enjoy it and as always go into this podcast with um your heart open your mind open with no judgment and thanks for listening Jenna, where where are you from? I am like where I was born and raised. Yeah, yeah, I was born and raised in Napa, California. Ooh, mm-hmm. I had another guest from Napa. I think I think she said it's like the place where you want to get married and smell cow shit and drink wine, <laughs> <laughs> and then get the fuck out as soon as you can. Yes, that's exactly. <laughs> no, that's so true. Like I. I was born and raised there and I left when I was 18, but, and when I would tell people that I came from there, I was often like back in the day, at least they would be like, Oh, Oh, you're from Napa. And I'm like, no, 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 hold up. (laughs) I'm not rich Napa. I was poor Napa. So there's a whole part of the town that's quite poor. And like, if you're not the part of the rich town, then you don't belong there really, you know? Um, And so I was like, I'd rather just like come to Portland and drink beer and like see, you know, movies in a movie theater where I can drink beer and go to a, a bunch of strip clubs than like have, you know, wine. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. You made a good decision for yourself. For mm-hmm. sure. Um, do you have siblings? I have two half siblings. I have a half brother um, who's five years younger than me. And then I have a half sister who is... She just turned 19. Um, okay. and I'm horrible at math. <laughs> so. Yeah, I too, especially. So are they related? No, I have like basically a lot of divorce in my life. But no, Jenna, both- I, two, two half-sisters, they're technically not blood-related. Right. Like, I've never met another person. <laughs> yes, okay. So you understand. This is awesome. Yeah, because most people don't get that. I'm like, okay, no, no, no. No, 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 no. Let me tell you. No, yeah, my, my parents were married. The people who birthed me were, were married, and then they both divorced and both got remarried, and at one point both had children with their new spouses, and so that's why I have two half-siblings. They're Makes not sense. blood. How long were your parents together? Only, like, two years. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. I think they made it through, like, a year and a half of the uh, – me being alive and then they divorced wow so yeah i don't luckily don't remember that um yeah let's see here my the story goes that my mom and my dad met each other at a bowling alley um and they fell in love (laughs) and me and then they got divorced (laughs) sometimes bowling alley love doesn't work no not always sometimes though if you're lucky if you're lucky (laughs) (laughs) oh wow so you're where who did you live with then where did you go I lived with my mother and she yeah so I lived with my mother and I think my grandmother for a period of time and she raised me until she met my stepfather 
who and that's probably when I was like three or four um and because they basically got together and then my brother was born and I'm five years older than him so timing's a little muddled but uh yeah and I you know um I was always told that like basically my stepdad well my stepdad would tell me that too often he'd say that like yes he loved my mother but he fell in love with me you know like he saw her taking care of this you know this daughter who was just I guess lots of energy I had I was very spunky and just like great that he was like I want to become like a father for this person and um which is like always like a nice thing I try to hold on to because now spoiler alert I don't have a good relationship with him but (laughs) I uh I like to remember the moments where it was like good (laughs) yeah 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 interesting so um you your mom got remarried and had a had a you had a brother mm-hmm. and that might happen. Um, still in Napa. Still in Napa, and basically I would see my paternal father like once a week, once every couple weeks. Um, and our fun thing that we would do together was we'd go and get McDonald's, and then we would go to his bachelor pad and watch Melrose Place. Do you remember that show? Yes, of course I do. Yes. <laughs> such a weird memory for me to be like a kid yeah. watching Melrose place but I those good those were good memories um but you know my father would be kind of just in and out of my life for most of the time so my stepfather was basically my father um in all the ways he raised me he made me I think in a lot of ways like who I am with like my work ethic and stuff like that um and I'd say that like for a while our family life was like pretty okay until um gosh I mean it must have been when I was in middle school I don't know when they kind of started it basically my mother and my stepfather started um using they eventually became addicted to meth oh shit. <laughs> fuck oh my god it wasn't going I'm didn't yeah, I'm, I honestly to, truthfully, Jenna, I was like, please don't say meth. Please don't say meth the whole time. Like, I was literally like, please. I was uh, like, no meth, no, no meth, no heroin, no meth. Like, yeah. oh my God. So wait a minute. Were they were they sober prior to this? Were they drinkers? Like, how was their partying? Like, yeah, like, that's the thing is like, I was I was kind of even thinking that myself. Like, they definitely were drinkers. They were pot smokers. Um, I had many memories of like going to my mother or my parents' like, you know, pot dealer's house, you know, as a kid. Right. So there was a lot of just like yeah, yeah, yeah. Boundaries. You know, but like we also had a pretty, like, you know, pretty normal childhood for the most part, you know, until things got like we'll get into that, it gets a little darker. But like, you know, we had like a, a house that they bought. I went to school with, you know clean clothes and food and you know I'm, I'm not trying to like say it's one way or better or whatever right. but you know like I, I, we were taking care of for a long time my mother had a, a job at the hospital even and like and not as a provider um as a, like a transcriber um and my you know stepfather had like a decent job and you know things were fine and they but they would they would definitely smoke and drink and I of course didn't really know any of that at that age um and it took me quite a while to realize it was meth. For the longest time, I thought it was just, mm. they would just have lots of friends over to like go smoke pot in the bedroom because I definitely around middle school, high school, I could tell that it was pot, the smell, you know? Yeah. Um, 
but based on like later talking to certain people and things like that and just kind of knowledge of things it was definitely I think you know probably around the early like probably freshman year of high school they probably started using that and you know I don't feel like it gets you right away or you know like there's it's a progression for how bad it gets in your life (laughs) yeah yeah oh my god yeah can I think about I don't know what I was we were probably in middle school maybe a little younger when they would have like these massive fights and like I would have to take my brother out to like the van and like sleep with him, you know, all night because like the fights were like so bad. So it makes you think like how long were they doing other drugs early and just, you know, having, you know, crazy fights or were they just abusive to each other? (laughs) Exactly. All those things. I mean, all those things, it could be both or all or Mm -hmm. none or like, Mm -hmm. so yeah, that's crazy. And that is neglectful that you have to caretake. Yes, exact caretaker. Thank you. That's what I was gonna say. The thing I talk about, like in therapy, a lot when I kind of reference that that time period and what how I think it really affected me as an adult is my level of caretaker. Like what what I do to take care of people is so deeply ingrained in me, and you know, and having to take care of my brother. And then like, you know, I had to get up in the morning before my mother got up and make coffee for the house. And if I didn't make coffee so that she had coffee, like when she woke up, she would be mad. You know, she would lose it. Yeah. She wouldn't, she wouldn't be able to like cope with the day. And I didn't know it was because she was using hard drugs, you know, and right. having issues. But, uh, so I have just like this visceral memory of like, I have to do that. I have to anticipate yeah. the needs that she and my stepfather need without really knowing what those needs are plus also being a child you know and yeah like you're not even able to be a child because you're mm-hmm. literally living like an adult and yeah that is absolutely terrible yeah did how long did it go on well so then about the middle of my high school um time they divorced real messy divorce as as would be expected um from that and um you know, even then my stepdad didn't like straight up tell me like a high school student, like your mother is using meth. This is then because basically what I came to find out later on is that he wanted to get clean. He didn't, he didn't like what was happening. He still loved my mother and he still loved like, you know, the family that we had, but he knew that staying there would have mean, would meant that they would never get clean and that they would, you know, things would only get worse. So he tried to get us to move back to his hometown, which was in North Carolina where he could like clean up and they can like, we could start over, but she refused to do that. And so he decided to to leave so that he could get himself clean and, and in theory, try to like do right by us in a lot of ways. And so he, they like, he divorced and basically told my mom, like, you know, you can have the house, like you can, I'm not going to take anything from you, take care of the kids. Like I'll send you child support and it'll be fine. But she just continued to like go down the deep end and get uh-huh. deeper into the drug use and like the addiction was just addiction bad. was so yeah. bad, yeah. Um, that we lost the house. Oh god. <laughs> we had to move into like a motor uh, like a mobile home, which is and like you were in I, high school when this Yeah, it was high school, yeah. Oh my god. It was wild. Oh and then insane. um and that was just yeah. I 
how were you in high school? Like, how, how, how were you? What was Jenna like in high school? Jenna was okay. She was a stoner. I'm not a stoner now, uh, oddly enough. Um, I just drank. <laughs> um, but I was a stoner then, and she would give me pot. <laughs> that was like our bonding thing. Because here's the thing. Like, in the end, I love my mother a lot. And, like, her and I are so similar um, in the ways that I think are, are good. Um, and she really... I mean, without that's one of the things that we we bonded over and stuff like that. I think I wouldn't be who I am as far as like this eccentric person who cares a lot, who's loud, who doesn't like uh, care what other people think of them. You know, um, always curious, definitely go, down to go like on an adventure. Like really great qualities for a lot of good times that we had together, even during these times. Like the bonding over smoking pot, for example. Like is it maybe as irresponsible as it was, she made me feel like I could go to her for things, you know. Right. And like, so I didn't have to sneak out to go get drunk and get high with my friends. I could just tell her so that, you know, I was safe. And I still like respect that as a person. I'm just like, that was a good move on a mom. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. And you felt safe. Mm -hmm. But definitely there was a lot of turmoil with her when she was using, I mean, the erraticness. Oh God. Is, I'm not sure. I mean, do you have much experience with people who... I, I do with it with um, addiction, but it was um, yeah. like like cocaine and alcohol, not mm -hmm. meth. like so. And it was my dad. He kept it pretty, like total functional. That's yeah, yeah. But ragey, ragey, ragey. yeah. Mm -hmm. ragey, like, you know, and that's just like PTSD stuff comes from that. Mm -hmm. like, you know, like how you handle conflict. Mm -hmm. learned it as a kid so <laughs> you know having to retrain our brains to that someone doesn't have to scream at you to be loved those big mm -hmm. things like you know that you go through because it's how you learn so that's insane how was your brother like how was your brother going through all this so it's funny you mentioned like that element of it and like you don't feel like you're being loved unless you're being like given negative attention yeah and um, my brother definitely got that that's oh. he he got the worst I think of it in that sense um, he was much younger, so he genuinely did get neglected. He, the, you know, a lot of his attention was negative or, you know, in her fits and things like that. And uh, we don't, I, I, I still have a relationship with him, but it's, um, we don't talk often, um, although it's, it's a good, good relationship, but we don't really talk about that kind of stuff a ton. I think he can't fully process that but I always I sometimes I get sad when I think about like how him and I did truly have like two different versions of her you know I got like this sense of adventure and like fully living life like out loud and then he got the the like negative part you know yeah the addict the reactive the, yeah like, yeah oh that's heartbreaking. yeah, yeah. That's heartbreaking so your dad was your um uh, biological father around during all this oh yeah <laughs> so the, <laughs> the sword gets real fucked up man <laughs> um i because it's not now yeah because it's not now <laughs> this, this is just like cake the layer of cake here we go um well so then you know things were getting really bad we lost the house so i decided to move in with my my paternal father who had by that point met his future spouse and was getting married and having a baby 
so I was about 16 when um, my sister, <sighs> my half sister was born. And, but, you know, he had like a stable life now, you know, where he didn't when I was younger, but now he has like a house with his new wife. They're about to have a kid. She has like an older daughter herself. So now I have like a stepsister mm-hmm. who's like kind of my age, a couple of years younger. So everything's fine for about a year, about a year and a half, a couple of years, yeah, about two years. Um, so she she gets really this woman gets really bad. Um, she's like my stepmom basically. She gets really bad um, postpartum depression, oh. and coupled with old addiction issues her of her own, she starts using meth. No. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. No. Dude, Napa is, has a pretty bad meth problem. <laughs> People do not realize. <laughs> uh, I can't even believe. Yeah. So you poor thing. Like you ran away to get yeah. away from it. And then. And so then the house is crazy there. You know, she's super erratic. She, her rage issues are intense. Um, my, my poor father doesn't know what to do because he's just like trying he's like he thought he'd like started his life over again it was like dad of the year kind of thing which he was doing a good job for what he could do um but he's like was just like struggling and trying to keep her and keep her happy and this whole thing and then basically around the time I had met my high school sweetheart and fallen head over heels as you do um and was like super in love with him and his family was like way nicer and like or calm rather you know they weren't using drugs and they were like this more you know basic family and his mother was like you should move in with us because like your house life is not good um and it wasn't so and uh so basically I I knew no one would let me move in with my boyfriend, basically. So I was like, I'm going to move in with my grandmother. But my grandmother was like, I can't really take care of you. And like, I trust you. She was a good, good lady. She just was like, you need to do what you need to do kind of thing. So she let me like basically pretend to live with her so that I could live with my boyfriend and also still have a place at her house, you know, if I needed it or whatever. Right. Um, and uh, basically the night that I told my dad that I was moving out because I couldn't handle being in the house anymore that night I was at work and I was being picked up by my stepmom she picks me up in the car and I get in the car and she's like you know you're you're killing your father moving out like this is destroying him and I was like well you know I don't know whatever I'm trying to like talk it out and then she's like well you're just a, you're um she's like shut up you fucking bitch you're just a fucking bitch <laughs> and then like tries to hit me and I was like like she got escalated and was just yeah. calling you all the names and then mm-hmm. got physically abusive mm-hmm. so like, I, like you're a grown-ass woman at this yeah point. basically and I was like I looked at her, I was like this is why I'm leaving and I get out of the car and I run off and then my boyfriend comes picks me up and we and then you know I basically finished high school living with him oh my God. um and <laughs> things are like going okay you know like this his mother was really wonderful she like 
she said if you're moving in here you need to sign a piece of paper and she like literally wrote out a contract she's like if you're gonna stay with us you are going to promise me that you're gonna graduate high school I don't care how you do it you're going to and then you're not gonna get pregnant (laughs) wow she's like I know you guys are having sex probably but like you're not gonna get pregnant we're gonna do everything that we can to not have that happen and you're gonna graduate high school and I had to like sign a contract that said I would do that (laughs) wow thank god for her though like no for sure like that I mean I don't know about the contract I don't know but it seems like that's a pretty reasonable thing although it's your own body no for sure for sure but no she was definitely trying to do right by the text she's amazing she was pretty amazing and I think she really I mean yeah she was God sent in so many ways um uh and he was nice your boyfriend at the time at the time (laughs) he was nice um but then it was basically only about a year and a half into our relationship and I'd been living there a little bit that he went away for this like um, volunteer trip that he had to go on through some program he was doing. Um, and he was away for like a week. And I went to one of our mutual friends like house for like a house party. And um, was I was like 17 at the time. It was at this house party and there's alcohol there obviously and drinking and drinking. And then I basically got sexually assaulted. Oh no, oh no, oh my god. <laughs> like, are we supposed to do trigger warnings before we <laughs> say I anything? do that before every episode. I tried to just be like, you know. Okay, good. <laughs> oh my god, though, but oh my god. And this was a person, this was a place you knew. Like a Yes. But ish. I definitely didn't know that her Yeah, no, no, but it's what is I mean, like I definitely knew the people who were throwing the party and like you know, we definitely talked to them afterwards, like dude like you let like a person in there who's you know not cool um but yes yeah, so it was just this guy that was there at the party and was talking to me a bunch at the party um and I mean I, I definitely got pretty drunk last night that night and I um I didn't get a chance to get a test afterwards but I'm pretty certain that they like spiked my drink to the point where I was more blacked out okay. but I was also definitely drinking a lot so like you know either way I definitely was blacked out um and I asked my friend to go sleep in um in one of the rooms because I was really tired and and super drunk (laughs) I go to sleep and then I wake up to being assaulted oh my god and uh yeah I mean what can you say about that but (laughs) you know classic Uh, sexual assault of sorts um you know I felt like go ahead it is I'm sorry yeah that's a whole lot of 17 years of like fucking chaos yeah basically and that and then on top of it have to experience something like that and it enrages me so bad that I I literally get tears in my eyes it makes me yeah like the whole thing really insane it's like wild that somebody could do that to like an obvious like underage person and I, and I, this guy I think was older like he was I mean maybe he even brought the alcohol who knows like he definitely seemed like he was 21 um I did end up going to the cops later to report 
but the cop basically wow. you did i did actually i know isn't that wild wow. right <laughs> that's incredible like by myself because if, if you remember everything i don't have any family at this point anymore right really. no i know like that's the constant thing i'm seeing is no one's being like advocating for you. yeah I mean, like what about jenna's best interest here yeah. Yeah. That. basically i was like uh how so did like, you include that to go by yourself like how did you get well the next day i went to an actual good friend of my boyfriend and i's who i actually really trusted and it was a man but he was very he's like the actually i'm still in contact with him today which is fucking crazy um but he she like really took care of me he like took me to the doctors like and i i got like a rape kit and stuff like that and I think the combination of him and the people at the hospital probably just convinced me to like, if I wanted to, I should go, you know? Um, and so I did, but it was wild. And like, I still to this day don't even necessarily, like, I almost like, I almost am grateful of what the cop said to me. I was sitting down like in one of the offices, the desks and what have you, and I was telling him everything. And the person looked at me and he was really trying to be like, just honest with me. He was like, it is a pretty unfortunate reality that like these cases don't get the like justice that they deserve. And that it's like a pretty classic he said, she said scenario in a sense. Like you're gonna say what well, this is what happened and he's gonna say what the other thing happened. And there's no witnesses, there's no like blah de blah. Um he's like there's some he's like, you know, you did get a rape kid, there was like things or whatever, there was like some evidence, but like it's probably not going to go anywhere and it's going to cost you lots of money you're going to have to go to court all your parents are going to have to find out like it's going to be a whole thing and what we can do is basically make a police report so that if this ever happens again with this man like we'll now have a record that he you know this is his like history and that'll be really good because then we can like actually prosecute him in the future you know and like that's basically it (laughs) so I decided just to do that you know I mean, it's, I, I can, I think if I was younger in that same situation, I would feel like relief from that that moment too. But the reality of that moment makes Mm -hmm. me angry because who's advocating for you? Like saying like just another man trying to tell you what you should do about Mm -hmm. your being assault by a man. Like it's just, there's just this, I'm that it's exhausting. Like Mm -hmm. what should happen in a normal system of treating humans like humans that doesn't happen like well i mean it just goes to the conversation that we're having now about a cab yeah. you know like all I mean, cops are bastard and they were like well who's gonna help you when you get assaulted i was like well i mean <laughs> nobody because they never did anyway <laughs> fuck you out of actually doing something and stopping an assaulter like they would talk, especially like young girl by themselves yeah like without anyone it, it didn't really makes me mad the whole thing yeah. i mean it's, you're still brave as fuck for going down there and you're just facing it and trying you know yeah. but i want to kick that cop in the right in the balls but for i know but that's the thing is i almost had some gratitude to him now because i of know like you know like i would have had to go through such a horrible process to probably still have the same results I you know. know i know Which you know mad. i get it no i totally get the reconciliation but that's also part of our the problem Mm-hmm. that we're forced to reconcile mm-hmm. and eat shit again like I'm just like, can we not eat shit how about stop feeding us shit in our mouths like it's just 
A little bit. I just want a little less, please. Oh my God, Genevieve, so much. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, okay, okay. So, what happens after the assault? So, your boyfriend comes back. Yes. Yes. (laughs) He comes back from his trip, Uh and you've experienced this horrible thing. Like, Mm -hmm. and he's probably 17, too, I would say. He's 18. He's 18. Okay. He's a little bit older than me. And, um, He, he does not handle it well. Um, you know, I think any partner or really close relative to somebody who's been assaulted does genuinely experience a loss of grief on their own part. And they do genuinely experience a lot of like anger, sense of like um, helplessness, absolutely like so much like valid true actual feelings i like read about it because people gave me like literature on that actual thing and also just makes sense like it's just like yeah um so he had all of those feelings of course which were normal and then um he also was like you know uh really like caring and like you know bundled me up and was like let's like take care of you all these different things and then it also coupled with endless, endless questions about what happened. Why did I not fight him off? Why did I not do this? Why, what happened? What happened? What happened? Um, so it was all just like a big swirl of like all of those things, you know, taking yeah. care of me, being loving, questioning me also dealing with his own sadness and you know me just being like well that's just how it is right like that's how it's supposed to be um and probably also a lot of me just trying to like keep it together (laughs) oh I can only imagine you know (laughs) you're like well this is my only this is where I'm living right now I don't have anywhere else to go um and I need to just like you know survive this or whatever um and, you know, but like that, that like eases or whatever, you know, we heal to an extent and then basically live our lives for the next like seven and a half years that we're together, but almost like some kind oh, of seven and a half years. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. I interrupted. I was just had to, I had to make sure I heard that. Like, I know. That went on for seven and a half years. Yeah. And almost every year, like it was some kind of like calendar, like marking, he would, we would get in this massive fight and it would always be about how he couldn't trust me because of the assault. I didn't like take care of myself and didn't fight him off. I didn't do all these things. Oh my God. And it's like, (laughs) and you know, each year I got, for a while though, it would, it would like it it worked in its abuse pattern of like suppressing me and making me feel bad about myself and like just gaslighting gaslighting just it all of the works I mean it it clearly worked because I was with him for seven and a half years like the gaslighting (laughs) and the emotional abuse worked very well um you know coupled with like you know just like He's been the only one that's ever been there for me. Oh my God, of course. You know, he's like my father figure now in a lot of ways as I moved in with him when my 
father figure and my mother figure and my stepfather figure none of them could you know take care of me and so he's taking care of me he's uh and he you know he would like be like you can't take care of yourself you know because like because how could you because no one's ever raised you right like he wouldn't say that words but that was the assumption is like that I wouldn't be able to pay my own bills I wouldn't be able to like take care of myself because I didn't know how to you know and I believed him because you know (laughs) yeah was there a part of you you think that felt like you owed him something yeah probably yeah because also we we were happy too you know like we had such great great memories together too you know Mm -hmm. we would go on like lots of adventures and like yeah but the random emotional abuse and victim blaming he it sounds like he just couldn't he couldn't reconcile. He couldn't get past. No. Like, and he wasn't mature enough to tell you, like, that's the issue. Like, right. Can't get past this. So I'm just going to drag you down with it. Like, mm-hmm. how'd you get out of it? Um, basically, we got married. <laughs> oh, that's not getting out of it, Jenna. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. Okay, I know this sounds like I sound like I'm making all of this up. <laughs> like, it just keeps getting like worse and worse and worse. But like, you tell me he got a meth addiction. I'm gonna no. hit my pants. Okay. Well, no, but a different one. But anyway, <laughs> not a meth though. But during the time that we were during that after graduation, basically, a couple of years into my adult life with him, another reason why I stayed with him for as long as I did was that might help people kind of realize like why I would as well on top of the emotional abuse and gaslighting that makes you stay is that um in June of 2006 at the beginning of the month I got a phone call from my mother's father telling me I hadn't talked to my mother in years I had cut her off my life completely because of the drug use and all the stuff my grandma, my grandfather called me to tell me that my mother had lung cancer and that she was going to die. She had terminal lung cancer and that she was going to die um, within months. Like oh they found it too late. She's going to die. And then not even remotely kidding at the end of the month, that same month, I get a call from my paternal father's mother. So my grandmother telling me that my father also has terminal lung cancer. But that his oh. is more like it's in a different part of his lungs. And so that they have hope that they can like work on fighting it and maybe eradicating it one day. So I found out in the same month <laughs> that both my parents were dying of the oh. same cancer, even though they had been divorced since I was two. Right. <laughs> like, what the, what, the, what in the, I have no idea. I don't know why I had to experience something so. That is insane. Like poetic almost, you know? Yeah. It's like, it's, you're just like, yeah. what? How is yeah. that? It is poetic in this strange, weird. Yeah. So my mother died pretty quickly. She died within that summer. And um, her and I were able to see each other, though, and have the best closure conversation ever where she completely apologizes for like everything she's had been doing 
completely like just like fully was like if I could choose it a different way if I had been stronger oh. I'd done all those things I would have done it differently I would have like I it's like my regret but I was like it's okay like you and I are it's okay you know mm. it's great conversation we completely have closure um and then she passes away and then my father basically fights his cancer for like three years or so and then dies and we have decent closure but and we are in contact like the whole time and stuff but it was it was sadder you know it was more dragged on it was um not a good time and it really didn't obviously help my relationship with my you know my my boyfriend oh my god right you're dealing with both your parents on top of everything else Mm -hmm. so I think that's like you know in a lot of reasons why I would also stay with him because he was really taking care of me during a time that right Mm -hmm. yes that that is so much to take in all of the things you just said (laughs) so much to take in but let alone both your parents and then your mom like so fast. So I, I totally get it. Like I yeah. get it. I get, I get the hows and the whys. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and also like as much as he's like a piece of shit and everything, I also do can like understand that like our lives were also changed by those, those events, you know, even his life was changed by those events because of like his partner having to go through this and, you know, it just really made our whole life way crazier than I think any of us, you know, anticipated and, um, you know, already having such a hard start to our adult life, you know, and then having all that happen. So we get married out of kind of duress because my father was dying and he proposes to me to like, he thinks that that's going to make me feel better, you know, cause my dad's dying. And I say yes, for the same reason. <laughs> we have a very quick planning session we get married six months later and then basically have like the worst fight we've ever had afterwards like I move out for a little bit and then I come back huge fights and then I start cheating (laughs) which is not great and I don't condone it but I was really trying to get out of the relationship you know yeah, right. Oh my Jenna, you were trying to get out of your own skin and in your own <laughs> head. Like you were just trying to feel anything that wasn't, I, I can't imagine how much was built up inside of you. Like the stuff that's numb, the stuff you're feeling, the stuff that's numb, the stuff you're feeling, like mm-hmm. the, the build up of the chaos and just wanting, like losing your shit, wanting to explode. Like just, just, just to self-destruction and it's the quickest way possible to just feel anything. Like that's- that's actually really beautiful the way you just, I don't think I've so many times I've told this story I don't think anyone's ever said I did a lot of that to feel something and that's so true I mean I I would sometimes describe it like I was putting my hand on the self-destruct button like that was definitely something I was doing and I could see that and I I see it now and have but but the tide with it is that thing about wanting to feel something and that's really really it's 100% what was happening because I was so depressed I was on two different types of antidepressants I was like not there you oh, know yeah how, how in the gods how fuck how could anybody be mm-hmm. that's it's an enormous amount of trauma this whole right. thing so much and like the goodwill and the foundation mm-hmm. of the the fact that you found somebody safe right and the fact that you found somebody that will take care of you mm-hmm. but then in turn your identity like it, it's shrinking like someone's shrinking you yeah but it, he, he wasn't doing that it was everybody has mm-hmm. shrunk 
your space to be a whole human being and functional and like have time to process one death before another one happened or one meth addiction. Can you just have some time to process the first meth addiction? There's another, like just, there's been no process time for you. Like you were just like, oh, now what, now what, now what, now what, now what? Like it's so much, Jenna. Like it's truly, truly so much. I, uh, so, so I was like cheating on him for like a year, basically off and on just, just doing it with like whoever it was just like getting crazy. I was like passively suicidal. wasn't like doing any actual like things, but I was like not wearing my seatbelt. I was like doing all these things that were, you know, reckless. And then, um, one day I woke up and I had it, I woke up from a really intense dream and in the dream, he my husband had started physically abusing me he had never physically abused me um in the entire time that we were together um but in my dream he had finally started physically abusing me as you know most people say that that can often lead to physical abuse and so like i woke up in this dream and i was like oh my god i have to leave like i have to leave this is gonna continue to happen and I, my, and my father wouldn't want this for me. Like I had like this, like, I think I just connected with him in a way spiritually. And I was like, he wouldn't want this for me. I have to leave. So I, I went to my friend's cafe where she was working and I said, can I come, can I stay with you? I need to leave. And she's like, yes, you can leave. You can come live with me until you find somewhere. And so I go back home and I'm, he like would always sleep in really late. Cause he was uh, massively addicted to marijuana. Like I wouldn't normally say anyone can be addicted to marijuana because I don't think it's in the, you know. I understand. But you know, yeah, he was addicted to marijuana. Um, And so like he would wake up at like noon. It was a whole thing. And um, I get get home and he's like in the living room already smoking pot again, just like waking and just getting high. And I go in my room, our room, and I start packing my clothing and start getting ready. He comes in. He's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, it's over. It, it's over. You know, it's over. It's been over for a while. And he, and he was like, you're right. It like, it has been like, this has not been well. Cause you know, we'd have moments like that where we'd be like, this is not going well. And he was like, yeah, it's not going well, obviously. He's like, but no, let's like, let's work through it. And I looked him in the eyes and I said, I've been cheating. I've been cheating on you. My God. <laughs> and he's like, oh, okay well if that's the case then you should leave and I'm like okay yes I am going to leave because this is what's happening because you know he'd always always said like if you ever cheated on me that'll be it that'll be the one thing that I can never you know get over which is fine or whatever so I tell that to him and he's like okay well then you need to leave and I'm like great I'm going to leave and as I'm leaving he starts screaming at me and he's yelling at me and uh I'm walking through the living room and he goes into the living room and um we have one of those like old school like you can move them around but they're like a metal like radiator type heater thing basically mm-hmm. it's like on wheels so you can move it around mm-hmm. he picks it up and he throws it at me oh my god but it's heavy as fuck Those things are really heavy and it, so he just plops onto the ground you know like it doesn't go anywhere <laughs> it like goes yeah. you know, a feet a foot in front of him falls onto the ground doesn't hit me luckily and I turn around and I look at him and I was like, see, that's the reason I'm leaving is that. And it was just like my dream. Like, it was just like, that was the thing that had snapped, mm-hmm. you know? 
Mm-hmm. And so I left and basically never turned back. He harassed me for a couple months. It was a whole thing. He eventually started using heroin, not meth. <laughs> but that wasn't really my, I like it's, you know, yeah, I was, I didn't, didn't have to experience right. that with right. him, luckily. Right. Um, but the good news, here's when things start to get better. <laughs> basically the next morning I woke up, like I went to my friend's house and I woke up and I, I can't, I still remember that morning. It was just like mm-hmm. a completely different experience. It was, a, it was literally starting my life over. And I'm sure many people feel that way when they do leave um, an abusive situation. I know, but, but you, you, you started so young with him, right? Like Like I had no, you know, alone time. Yes. Like this is the first time that you're like, I am by myself, not responsible for another human, Mm -hmm. or do I have to answer to another Mm -hmm. human or take responsibility or caretake or worry? Or like, of course you remember that morning. Like, of course, like, oh, was, I said this once on a different podcast once, um, I was talking to somebody and I, and I haven't been able to say anywhere else. So I'm glad I can say it here, but I realized just like only within the last couple of years that it was like, I have issues. I have issues with love. Like I currently don't really think romantic love exists in the way that many people think it does. I think it does obviously exist and people can find it, but I have obviously a lot of issues with it. <laughs> And not even just romantic, but like love, the concept of love. And for me, it was that like love was abusive for like my entire life, you know, and, you know, my family, my boyfriend, all of that. And the day that I woke up and no one loved me anymore, you know, like, yes, people in my other family love me or whatever, but I woke up and no one loved me. I was actually (laughs) free and not being abused. And so like, to me, that was, that's freeing. Yeah. To me, it's like I'm finally not being loved. And then that's the time that it's actually the most freeing and like healthy and like I can just be myself. Right. And, you know. Right. No, I think that that makes, I mean, you know, reality is, is the, that love from what I'm hearing, from what I just heard from your story, like Mm -hmm. how your concept of love. Yeah. Exactly. Because everyone always said they loved me. My mother loved me. My father loved me. Right. He loved me. No, right. They all loved yeah. me. Yes. Like, and how, how it, your basis of a foundation of love becomes so confusing. Mm-hmm. And of course, that is why you want to push it out and push mm-hmm. it away and all those things. Because why do you want to sign up for that again? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't blame you for any of how you feel at all. Like, I think, and I, I think um, even as we get older, you know, I get more angry than Uh I did prior. And I also get more like, just like, oh, love is safe as long as I have boundaries. Uh Stop Uh looking at them, people to set things for me, you know, where it feels like, oh, well, I can, I'm actually, I'm really bad at receiving my biggest issue Uh being married. You know, she's like such a gusher and I'm like, Uh my vessel is closed. It's I got a five minute window to take it in. Then I got to go. Like I'm still working. I just think I'm worthy enough. Like all these fucked up things. Mm -hmm. But the relearning of that makes me just makes my head explode. And Mm -hmm. it feels like I may never 
relearn it, but I'm just going to keep trying as long as she understands what she's getting. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it is about acceptance, like someone understanding that like, that it yeah. makes sense. That mm-hmm. makes sense. You know? So, so you wake up at your friend's house and then what happens to Jenna? Um, I basically, I just really start living life. I don't know. I, you know, when I was with um, my, my high school sweetheart, I had gone to school to be a medical provider, uh, medical assistant. And I had like a fancy job at a hospital and the whole thing. And then I burned out because I was, um, my parents were dying and I was losing everything in my life and control. And so I quit my career at the hospital because I couldn't handle it. And basically from that point on, I just was like a waitress, you know, for many years. Um, but I was so happy. Like I was so fucking happy, you know, like I didn't want to work at the hospital, you know? Why would Uh, you want to caretake everybody that you've carried, had to caretake? Like that's, that's legit to be, but that's like, that's why I was actually really good at my job at the hospital. Of course, though, because I was incredibly good at taking care of people. So, you know, that's that, but I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. So I'll, I'll take care of people by giving them really good coffee, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just, I mean, I loved a single life for actually, <laughs> actually I'm fucking, I forgot. I, uh, I only I lived like really single life for like six months. And then I met an, a, a guy and fell in love. He was fine. He, we had issues. We dated for almost two years. Lovely man still. He loved me. He was a depressed individual who had a lot of issues still. And we had some, some emotional issues, but um, mostly a lot of it's because I also shouldn't have been in a relationship right away, you know? Um, but I survived that relationship <laughs> pretty far. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, we're still in contact. Um, and then I really like lived my single life and actually basically have been single since like I've had some relationships here and there that were small you know um but I've just been mostly being myself living on my own living in different houses with people um kind of doing things and then eventually I became a nanny um so I did eventually go back to being a a caretaker (laughs) but I really love being a nanny it's like the right um level of caretaking for me yeah, kids are so different I yeah I'm like I'm like I'll wipe a kid's ass if I have to yeah but don't give me an adult exactly no yeah because <laughs> I was like serving coffee and I really fucking started to hate it like I liked that for a handful of years and then I was like I can't take this anymore and so I started babysitting on the side and then eventually it became a thing and a thing and then I was like oh my god I I can never make a cup of coffee for anybody ever again. Please. I will literally wipe diaper like fucking yeah. poop all day. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been exclusively working as a nanny, I'd say for like three years, but I've been doing basically nanny work for seven years now. And, awesome. Um, love it. Yeah. And then therapy. When did you start going to therapy? That's what I wanted to ask you about. Like, yeah. did you tell when you were younger into it? Like, and are you still going? Yeah, I went a little bit after the assault, um, but then had to stop because life and everything. And then I started going a couple years after the divorce. Mm, yeah, so I probably, but I've, I would say I've probably been going to therapy for about like six years. Red. Off and on. Um, definitely the last like four years 
like almost exclusively like i've just been going as much as i can i go to a local um place that provides like free to low-income counseling if you because you're getting seen by a intern a counselor like intern and they're basically doing the ending of their program and so you only get about like six months sometimes a year with them and or like 10 months and you get that person and then they finish their program and then you get on a waiting list again to see another student so for me it's really worked out for the last um that's awesome with them for like six years basically where I get good therapy and then I get like three months off where I can actually like kind of relax and not be in therapy and then get back into it again with a new person and to me I really like the idea of having like a fresh eyes each time I've tried to get certain friends to go to the same location and some people are like I don't know if I want to see somebody for only six months you know yeah then have to see a new person and I get that I think for a lot of people that wouldn't work for me I loved it Mm -hmm. that I get this new person who has fresh eyes they have new ideas they they want to hear my story in a different way they ask me different questions you know I tell the same fucking story basically and then they're like okay well tell me about why your mother did this and I'd be like okay (laughs) right yeah yeah no that's awesome I didn't even know that service existed so that's really cool Uh, yeah I think a lot of places that have big colleges have similar um yeah 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 programs so if you're listening from somewhere and there's a college near you you probably can find that yeah no that's pretty cool but that you've been able to access that and have that you know and it works for you which is Mm -hmm. the best thing in the world like yeah but you know it always inevitably at the end of the sessions like towards the end of our time together it's like okay Jenna are you actually going to work on boundaries now and I go sure yes sure yeah 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 Yeah. no it's so it's so rad though that you still get to experience so many different different therapists Mm -hmm. you know I think that this like definitely this pandemic has been very interesting for me in a lot of ways. I think shaped off of my experience with like loss and, Hmm. you know, also, I mean, a lot of it's based on loss, right? Because like I've experienced so much of it and, um, you know, even just like the loss of that, of that relationship, the loss of my parents, loss, loss of the vulnerability with the assault, like all these different things that I just, I joke, but I, I even, I give myself a tattoo during the pandemic, like one of those stick and pokes. And I put the word YOLO on my body, which is really, <laughs> really funny. Of course, like what you put YOLO, put YOLO on there. You only YOLO. Um, but like to me, I really like kind of believe that coupled with the concept of like nothing matters. And when I try to tell people that like nothing matters and I like believe that <laughs> because I've like experienced a lot of loss and not more loss than other people. There's plenty of people who've experienced even more loss, but to me, like my experiences with it have just really proven that like none of it really matters because in the end it's going to go away is that it also so many times frees me like mm. the freedom of believing that none of it matters keeps me from not completely I have anxiety I have depression but you know I'm not out there like sad that I don't have a house right now that I own you know 
I'm not sad that I don't have a partner and kids and like all these things it's like none of it matters so much that I don't want it because it's like whatever but I can still have a very full and like happy life um as happy as anyone can have uh, currently and you know and also like as I I've been I was doing stand-up comedy for the last couple of years and all of that just like went away you know overnight oh. with COVID um huge huge huge. (laughs) like yeah that that has not been like I mean I wasn't I haven't I wasn't even touching stand-up it's been years since I've really went and I started so long ago it's like 2011 yeah I was producing like four shows a month I was like on you know maybe four shows as well and like things were going really good but I was also so fucking tired I was really starting to hate it and resent it and but I wasn't fully admitting that to myself of course but I was just like I need a break I need a break but I couldn't get a break you know like I couldn't stop you know and then it was all taken away overnight but I have not been sad at all (laughs) because like a I needed a break but like also I just I, I start to look back at like the lessons I've learned from all of this it's like it doesn't really matter it served its purpose. I got a lot from it. I learned a lot from it. I had amazing memories. I've made a lot of great friends, made some enemies. Um, and like, it, to me, I'm not sad because I wasn't trying to make it a career. And now I have a lot of empathy for the people who were and still want to make it a career because that's genuinely sad. Like that's horrible. Like yes. it's, it, it sucks. But for me, that wasn't my case. So I feel like a piece with it. But I think that part of that is because of my experiences and my ability to be like, you know, yeah. I mean, I think that I already had done so much work on myself in a lot of ways. You blew up, Jenna. (laughs) You were all over. It was awesome. I mean, again, I was out of the scene by then, but I saw your name everywhere. Like, thank you. You know? Yeah. I think a lot of it was because of the vulnerability that I have. Like I, my sets my sets were about this stuff, you know, like I talked about my dead parents on stage. I talked about my assault on stage. I talked about, um, you know, my shitty experiences with people and, you know, things like that. And I, and it was so therapeutic for me in those ways, but like, you know, the old adage goes like, you know, stage is not therapy, but obviously a lot of comics use it as therapy I, yes, had very therapeutic experiences on stage, but I also was literally going to therapy as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm not, and I don't try to say that I was like, I'm better than them, but it was like, for me, that was really crucial because I could see how it would do that to other people and how it could be very therapeutic, but then they would not actually use it, go to real therapy because the stage is not actual therapy. It's therapy. Yeah, and validation from a stranger. Yeah, that's exactly. Validation. That's not intimate. And what we have are intimacy issues. Yes, exactly. It's the surface bullshit that I was talking about earlier. Like I hate surface crap. When and if things kind of open up again, I feel really confident in saying that I will continue to be an entertainer. Mm-hmm. You know, if there is sex positive, queer positive um, shows that need a host who can be energetic and funny and really good at hosting, which was something I was really good at in the comedy space, then I'm definitely going to do that. I'm definitely going to make my, my voice heard. I'm going to have a platform because all I, all I ever wanted from it pretty early on, I realized I just wanted a platform. I wanted to be able to speak about what happens in my life and have it relate to people and have a platform. And I got a platform and now I still have 
remnants of that platform because I have followers. I have people who are interested in my life. Mm-hmm. And that will continue in some fashion, you know, and I work on different podcasts that I have and I have a platform with those and that's all I really wanted. I didn't, I never wanted to be a comedian. I just wanted to be somebody who's, who has a platform and who can, you know, have people relate to it. But I would, I would have people who would come up to me all the time and be like, oh my God, that story about your dead mother was exactly what happened to me, you know, or whatever. And that was like, that's the important part to me. That was like, that's what made it all worth it. So connection connection to people like stuff like this too. Like it's it's data just like someone else just says, oh God, you know, me too. Wow, Jenna, thank you so much for coming on and sharing with us your story. I loved um, having that time with you and you're a total freaking badass. Uh, Jenna picked Glitz for her nonprofit. That's Glitz. It's G period L period I period T period S period. I will link them all over the social medias. Uh, Their mission statement is we approach the health and rights crises faced by transgender sex workers holistically using harm reduction, human rights principles, economic and social justice, along with a commitment to empowerment and pride in finding solutions from our own community. They're amazing. I loved learning about them and I donated. Um, As always, my nonprofit is Rehab Sisters. You can see, you can find a link to them on all the social medias as well. Uh, Thank you to you for listening to this podcast. Uh, Thank you so much for uh, signing up to do that. It means the absolute uh, world to me. And thanks to Jenna. And I hope that this next month um, has at least a new experience for you. Something new to treat yourself with. Something different that you haven't done. Uh, New things are, (laughs) are slim to none right now, right? So anyway, I love you. And thank you so much for listening. See you in a month.